and a happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome into another edition of This Week in Hockey, along with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, and my show partner, Joe Vitale. I am Alex Ferrario. We have Dan Betlock in the house as well. Two straight hours of hockey talk coming your way now from 6 until 8 o'clock, and we have a fun show lined up for you tonight. In our next segment, Vince Dunn will be joining us, Blues defenseman. Get a little check-in on the Blues D-man and what he's been up to. We'll also talk with Pete Weber at 7 o'clock the Nashville Predators longtime broadcaster because if the playoffs were to start today Blues would be taking on the Predators so we'll talk with him I got round two of Curbs versus Joey and of course we have plenty of interaction with you the listeners at 65780 which is our text line the air comfort service text line or you can leave us mic drops the Rhino Shield mic drops on the 101 ESPN app but first things first Curbs Joey welcome back to another uh, another show there is, uh, I think there is still plenty to talk about. Both oh, yeah. what teams are doing, what players are doing, uh, some of the fun th- that they're trying to have, and more interesting how these different leagues and teams are are dealing with this. And it's all, you know, the word that I, I think everybody eventually is going to vomit on is content, content, content. But the reality of it, it it's forcing people to... You know, it's forcing these leagues, it's forcing these teams, it's forcing players and everybody to just kind of look at things a little bit differently. And, and Joe, I got I got a question from an athlete standpoint. You know, uh, uh, we'll start off with this. I'm going to ask you, from a professional athlete standpoint, having kind of gotten back into the real world, all right, of doing what you did for a couple of years and then now doing broadcasting for a year and a half, having done that, where's your thought process on – where athletes are in terms of how in tune with reality they are. Oh, I mean, Curbs, before this incident, I would say the majority, not all, the majority of the athletes are very wrapped up into their own little world. And and not, I don't say that arrogantly. We're not dealing with selfish people. Listen, I love hockey guys. And every fan of sports will always point to hockey players as being some of the most genuine, great people. I think it speaks more to the volumes of stress and pressure that these guys are constantly under. I mean, they're always under that microscope. Uh, it's not like 60 years ago, you made a mistake. The coach was half drunk. He didn't even care if you make a mistake on the ice. Yeah, Vince Dunn makes a mistake. He turns the puck over. He's got seven coaches breathing down his neck. He's got 18,000 fans on top of him. He's got millions of viewers. There's millions of replays over and over. There's YouTube. There's social media. I mean, every mistake is highlighted now. So that's how much pressure these guys are constantly under. So you do shut out the world a lot. But I think what's interesting about this whole situation is that players are now forced to look outside of their hockey world, look outside their bubble, and, and see that, There's stuff going on across the street. There's stuff happening in this city. There's stuff happening across the entire world that that is very serious. And I think this situation has definitely um, opened the eyes of a lot of these athletes in that that regard. So as as this pause continues and you kind of get up every day and you look for some news of of positivity, and first off, you just got to look at news around what's really happening with COVID-19 and and any trends that that you're starting to see. And the, the reality of it is it's hard to see trend from one day to the next. You have to wait until you have some type of longer stretch of, of, of samples to look at. But I, I w- was doing some work in the basement yesterday, and I was listening to Pierre Lebrun and Scott Burnside's podcast. They do a podcast called uh, The Two-Minute Podcast. And um, 
I listened to the entire interview that they did with Donald Fear. Then I listened to the second one, an entire interview that they did with Steve Levy. I was really intrigued with the stuff on, on Donald Fear. And it leads into what we were just talking about here because you had a situation where from a CBA standpoint, and remember the last two times where the CBA has come due, the NHL had not been able to avoid a labor stoppage. Uh, you just saw the National Football League avoid one, but it wasn't by a huge margin. I mean, what, over 40% of the players voted against uh, the, the CBA? I think it was, is it was one article I read in the uh, with the NFL. All right, so, and then, of course, you know what some of the talk when it comes to baseball, who's gone through a real good stretch of labor piece, um, you know, but but some of the talk about what, what's going on there. So it was the players and the players' association, and of course the league and, and the owners that decided. Neither one of them, when they both had an opportunity to kind of end the current CBA, they both decided they didn't want to do that. And one of the reasons they decided they didn't want to do that is they felt that there was just some good, solid negotiations going on on extensions. Intriguingly enough. I really have to – so they basically bought him a two-year two window, guys. So far, Donald Fierce said in this interview, and again, uh, I do think that if you're going to tune into anybody on a national basis that's in tune to the pulse of what's going on, to me, the two guys are Elliot Friedman and Pierre Lebrun. Uh, and I don't suggest one over the other. I suggest them both uh, to follow them on social media if you want to know what's being discussed. But but Donald Fierce told these guys that – you know, you, you just hope that coming out of this some way, shape, or form that you find some other bonds and some other ways to continue to work together because I think that now the players are seeing the reality of what happens without the sport when it's just completely taken away from a midstream. And I think that this will play a role somehow, I have to hope, in how a new CBA gets done, not just in the National Hockey League, Joe, but in, in across sports. Oh, curves without question. I mean, there to me the biggest thing when this is all coming up in a couple of years is going to be. I think both sides there's going to be more give, uh, like like any relationship, like a marriage. I mean, you have to learn how to let go and give a little at some point. And, and going through these tough times, it, it has to make both sides. I have to think from an optimistic standpoint, this has got to get both sides to give a little bit more, I think this whole process, let's settle on that number because we experienced this whole thing two years ago with COVID-19. Uh, we learned a lot, we grew a lot, but one thing is, is without question, the world needs hockey and these players need hockey, these fans need hockey. So what do we got to do uh, to get together and, and pull this rope in the same direction? That's something Pierre LeBron talked about on our show last week. He's been a part of lockouts. He's been a part of these negotiations between the Players Association and the league. He has never seen them so connected as they are right now. You have to think that this is going to only strengthen the relationship, uh, not only for what happens this summer, hopefully, but, of course, in a couple of years when um, all these uh, all these agreements and contracts are up. So let me toss this scenario at both of you. And as we're seeing in sports, a lot of different scenarios are going out because it's uncertain. It's just conversation. There's no concrete information, but we've seen baseball consider neutral sites to try and get things going. And the conversation has been floated around of a neutral site for hockey to at least start the remainder of the regular season before they can get playoffs in. What's your thought, Curbs? We'll start with you. On, on the neutral site? On the neutral site. So if you, if you go back to the... I think it'll work. And to be honest with you, I think the stomach for anything right now 
almost one month. So later on in, in the week, we're going to hit one month from the first from the pause, right? Yeah, I think it's five days okay. from now. So I think the stomach now for anything and any scenario is much tougher and much more willing to consider it than you were a month to six weeks ago. Because some of these things were being discussed even prior to the actual pause. What, when you keep it within the reality, I just, I don't think that guys, I just don't think you're going to get up on a Wednesday morning and the tornado sirens are going to blow, signaling the all clear, you can go out and do whatever you want to do, things are back to normal. I just, there's something very unrealistic on the, of the thought of that happening. So as much as the stop of the economy and the um, and the seasons where it was immediate, I don't think the restart is going to be a shotgun either. I do think there's going to be some level of phasing things in. That's why I do believe that uh, unless something were to really, the worm were to turn so fast on some things, I, I do see you playing some games without fans with a small limited number of fans before things get back to normal. So having said that, I could very easily see neutral site games. And Joe, the reason I go to, to that example is, I could see those neutral site games going in what they would consider lower risk areas first. And then kind of, I guess if you look at it like concentric circles, you know, starting on the dot, then going to the next circle, going to the next circle, and kind of going like that. It Again, throughout this whole thing, common sense seems to reign supreme, and that seems to be the most common sense opportunity if you get started sooner than later. Well, Curbs, while you're talking about concentric circles, I, I was arguing with my daughter this morning that 0.4 is a greater decimal than 0.04, and, and she couldn't get it through her head. Uh, and the fourth thing, there's two digits with 0.04. There's only one digit with 0.4. Uh, trying to explain to her that there's four tens in 0.4 versus four ones in 0.04. So I'm not on the same math um, grid that you are right now, but I know what you're saying. Uh, for me, it's got to be a low concentrated area. I read some reports about the NBA maybe talking about going to Las Vegas, which, of course, listen, I would love Las Vegas. If we go out to Las Vegas, it'd be great. It'd be great for everyone. The players love it. Famous love it. Now more but than ever, Joe wanting a, to go to Vegas. I know, uh, but that's such a high-populated high area. It just doesn't make any sense to me. You know, The latest report I saw, which was really cool because I played in this building, uh, the Fighting Sioux, University of North yeah. Dakota, uh, Grand Forks. That, that's the city. Uh, we're talking about a city, a uh, university, kind of like Mizzou. Think of it like Mizzou. Uh, Mizzou makes Columbia what it is. Uh, the, the University of North Dakota makes Grand Forks what it is. The city basically runs on that university. It's a quiet town. Uh, from right now, it seems like it's pretty low risk. Hopefully, it continues to trend that way. Uh, it's easy to get in and out. There's plenty of hotels. It's got an Olympic-sized sheet practice facility. It's got an amazing state-of-the-art rink. I think it holds around twelve or fourteen thousand. One of the best college rinks in the in, in uh, the whole country, for that matter. So uh, that's an interesting one for me, right there. Uh, from a fan standpoint, Curbs, I'm with you. I don't see how you at any point this summer allow fans into these buildings. So why why even have discussions about opening up these these National Hockey League buildings? Because it's not something you're just going to invite 18,000 people in come July or August and say, we're all good, we're all better. I mean, this is going to be a slow process of building a building back up. So if you're not necessarily worried about the seats in the building, but you're looking for nice facilities, 
uh, start looking at colleges, start looking at universities. Another one from the NBA, looking at actually a college university in the Midwest somewhere. I mean, who knows? Maybe it would be Columbia. Wouldn't that be fun? You know, the uh, the Blues played a preseason game at Engelstad Stadium there in, in Arena. And it was a game. The door on the bench popped open as Scott Mellonby was getting hit. And Scott Mellonby, as he's going down, crashes right into that thing and injured himself in that preseason game. I remember that, and I also remember the bar we were at the night before. <laughs> I'm more impressed that you remember the bar you were at before than the actual no, game. No, you just you, you take it all in. So, well, it will be interesting to see exactly what happens there. Um, you know, but again, they're not looking at just playing every game in one site, as as some of those discussions are being talked about. They are going to need some more sites, but again, it's going to be just those low risk areas. The, the good news is, the the good news is, is because of the length of this and because of the impact, I don't think there's really too many scenarios that are off the table until you truly know what will be allowed from a health and safety standpoint. All right, here's what we've got coming up on this week in hockey. More to come. There's plenty of other news notes, and by the way, speaking of which, one is regarding the entire St. Louis Blues tomorrow. Tomorrow night, the entire Blues organization, every single one of the players is involved in something. We're going to tell you about that a little later on this hour, but when we come back on this weekend hockey, we had a chance to catch up and find out what's going on Blues defenseman Vince Dunn. That's coming up next on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. All right, let's talk things over with Blues defenseman Vince Dunn here, kind enough to join us on this weekend hockey. And Vince, uh, thanks for giving us a few minutes. Uh, Aside from uh, oh the occasional media requests like we have tonight or a video chat for the league or the team or something like that, uh, overall, how are you doing uh, trying to manage yourself through this uh, this pause in the season? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good, all things considered. Obviously, um, you know, it's tough the way things are for everyone right now, um, you know, even the people that aren't in the league. So, um, you know, I think this is obviously just unfortunate that this is happening and just trying to keep a good mindset and hopefully things will turn around soon. Vince, Joey here. Have you picked up any new hobbies? Is there anything you're doing now, given all this time that you maybe you wouldn't have been able to do uh, considering a regular season in play? Not much different, to be honest. Just, um, you know, finding ways to be active has been the hardest thing for me. Um, obviously not skating every day. You're, um, you're constantly trying to come up with ways to get out of the house, like, you know, just going for a little weight or something like that. Um, obviously, um, you know, gyms aren't open or anything like that, so um, it's hard that way. But, um, you know, other than that, I've just been playing video games, watching Netflix. Um, I'm still in St. Louis. I'm with Blazers, so that helps it a lot. Um, you know, we do things together. So, um, yeah, we just kind of entertain each other. All right, Vince. Uh, Alex Ferrario here. You said Netflix. The the ever question right now that's been asked, have you have you binged watched Tiger King yet? Yeah, I watched that. Actually, the one I was most excited about coming out was Ozark. Um, that's a show that me and Blazer have watched um, from the start. So, uh, obviously, this setting takes place uh, really close to St. Louis, so that's pretty cool, too. Um, so, you know, that one was more of a watch for me. But, yeah, I did see the Tiger King. The Tiger King was kind of weird. How long did it take to binge through Ozark? Two nights. Two nights? That was pretty quick. That's impressive. Okay, so I watched season season one of Ozark, and then 
My wife and I just, honest to God, in the last year haven't had a chance just to sit down and watch TV shows. So we just finally started getting going on series two. The reason, or season two, the reason I throw that out is I don't want anybody to spoil anything. Spoiler no, for curves. No, well, this is, hey, this is the one challenge, isn't it, Vince? In, in, today's, in today's TV viewing world, if you want to have conversations when shows are put out entire seasons at a time, you almost have to ask the question, are you watching or are you going to watch so you don't have show spoilers, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Obviously, having a roommate, um, you know, he goes off and watches a couple episodes ahead of me and so that doesn't help, too. Uh, Vince, you're living with Sammy Blake. You're around each other a lot. You can't go to the rink. You can't be around other guys. I mean, are you guys like a married couple now? Is he starting to? Is he starting to bother you? What's What's the worst thing he does around the house that just drives you crazy? Um, he sleeps in a little longer than me. That's about it. Um, <laughs> so I'm kind of stuck bored for the first little part of the day. But other than that, no, we're cool. We've lived together for so long, so um, everything's reasonable. We always split the cleaning and um, the cooking and everything like that. So. Um, Works out pretty good. So, Vince, uh, one more before we get into hockey. I got to go back to the Tiger King because uh, your head coach was on earlier today on 101 ESPN, and he was asked the question if uh, if Carol did it in Tiger King, if she murdered uh, Tiger King. So, your thoughts did she or did she not? For sure. There's no doubt. Me and Blake <laughs> both thought that, like, like, that guy definitely got fed to the Tigers or something. There was a bell right there. <laughs> there you go. Two for two. We're getting unanimous okay, decisions. Should, I haven't watched this one yet. Should I watch it? Oh, yeah. How have you not watched it yet, Curtis? Unbelievable. Alex, I've got three kids at home that need e-learning. Like, I'm learning how to redo math right now, I'm buddy. On, I'm on Vince Dunn's page now. We're, we're video uh, games and Tiger King. V Vince, let's... Uh, <laughs> Hey, listen, no, this is one of the things we're doing here on, on the, the radio station is we're replaying some of the games from last year. And coming up tomorrow night, we're replaying uh, the game uh, against Toronto where you guys set the record with 11 straight wins. You had that big hit on Nazem Kadri in the game and stuff. But uh, when you look back at last season and the run that you guys went on, when, when that win streak extended to 11 games, like, what, where do you remember the confidence level of the hockey team? Yeah, I think when you get to that point, you're kind of just rolling with the good times. And, um, you know, you get to like eight, nine, you're like, holy, like, is this really happening? And um, obviously it's, um, it's a big turning point for our season. And I think that's when we, you know, start to realize that, okay, we can string these together. Now we're in a better spot. But, um, you know, you start to realize that you're a really good team. And, um, you know, eventually it's going to end. So when it ends, you kind of just restart and remember, um, you know, where you started for that, um, you know, that win streak. So. I think that's just kind of how things clicked for us. Um, obviously, there's definitely a series of events that happened throughout the whole year, but obviously that was definitely uh, one of the bigger ones. Vince, there's a lot of momentum shifts in games, uh, and, and Curbs already mentioned it, but your hit on Nazem Kadri, you had the hit on Sonny Milano, uh, you know, this, this season two, which was a momentum-changing hit. I mean, explain to the fans, explain what it's like on the bench um, when a player like that, or like you, for example, throws an open ice hit like that. How can that have a momentum shift in a game uh, to such a great uh, extent? Yeah, I think just it's emotionally big. Um, you know, just like a big goal. Um, if someone scores a highlight reel or a big save, it's, um, you know, it brings energy to the team and everyone kind of feeds off each other from that. So, um, you know, whatever it is out there, um, that's kind of that awe moment or, um, you know, something that stands out. I think, you know, guys, 
guys want to take on that too and do things themselves. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, how you, you come up with those big moments. Vince, are from a, uh, you know, I'm, we're not asking about anything about what, what kind of scenario would you want to see if, if and when things can get going back, uh, any of that kind of stuff, because it's all pure speculation. But just out of curiosity, are you like are you like myself or Alex or, or Joe? You know who, you know where so much of your world in season is around the game that um, a situation like this kind of just almost makes you look at things a little bit differently, just because it, you're you're forced to, for lack of a better way of putting it. You mean like looking just, just a time, like, just 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 now now having some free time that you normally would not have at this point in time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. It's like some days you're you're so tired when um you know you wake up even on an off day if you have something to do um you're like you just want to stay in bed all day and um you kind of can now and obviously you're not because it just kind of makes the the days drag on but um just having this much freedom it's kind of weird um and obviously it's it's a lot emotionally um you know a lot of people are by themselves uh you know wherever they are so that can be tough too so it's just kind of take things into perspective um you know going to grocery stores and all the all the workers that um are putting in their time and uh, you know it's pretty real right now when you go to the store like everything's gone so um you know just making making the little things seem like big things right now it's definitely tough hey vince final question from me do you try and stay into your game day rituals in this off season where you're not doing much or do you just kind of go into your own rituals now I think it's a little bit of both. Um, it's really different right now. You definitely can't do it. Um, even a normal off day would be um, when things were fine a couple of weeks ago. So, um, you know, just finding ways to, to get around that and just doing your thing. And I think most of all, um, you know, following the guidelines and, um, you know, just staying well emotionally, that that's going to be the biggest difference for everyone, I think, right now. Well, Vince, I'm optimistic about this thing. I think it will return. And if you feel the same way from your perspective right now, what is going to be the hardest thing for you as a player do you think to overcome if the season does resume some at some point in the near future? Yeah, for sure. I think however they set it up, it's not going to be fair to one team. Um, so it's not going to make everyone happy. So I think just putting all the emotions aside and, um, you know, just getting back to, to what you were doing before and obviously everything's kind of on a freeze right now which is really rare um you know usually you can stay in contact um with the guys and kind of figure things out a little bit over time but now everyone's just completely on their own so i think just everyone coming back together might make things a little easier so i think you know i think if it comes back it's definitely just going to be the hard um, emotionally more than physically uh, that's, that is a great way to put it. Vince, thanks for giving us a few minutes here on the program tonight. We appreciate it. Stay safe, and uh, we can't wait to get back to seeing uh, seeing you at a rink soon. For sure. Thanks, guys. All right. That is Vince Dunn joining us here on This Weekend Hockey. And we've got even more to come here uh, tonight. And when we come back, there's some humor going around the National Hockey League as well. What are some of your favorite things that you have seen content-wise from NHL players. Alex and Joe have their thoughts as well. That's when we come back on This Week in Hockey on the home of your St. Louis Blues 101 ESPN. Welcome back into This Week in Hockey. Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario with you here on 101 ESPN, the home of your St. Louis Blues. You know, every night, 
pretty much, well, four nights out of the week, guys, uh, for the foreseeable future here, you've got hockey programming following the fast lane. Tuesday nights, we've got this week in hockey. Wednesday nights, we've got the boardwalk hardwood floors behind the bench. And then Thursdays and Fridays, play Gloria, where this week we're playing you the Toronto Maple Leafs game where the Blues had won 11 games in a row. And then on Friday night, game one of the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs as the St. Louis Blues played the Winnipeg Jets. And from there, we're playing every single Blues playoff win plus the hand pass game. So uh, that that's all coming away. So plenty of hockey. Co- and that's on top of Blues broadcasters joining Bernie Miklas every single morning at 8 o'clock with the Blues booth. You've got uh, other hockey interviews throughout the day. So this is still your hub for all the hockey needs you have, 101 ESPN. All right. But, well, one of the things we talked about, fellas, is that this pause in the season is forcing teams and leagues and players and everybody to find a way to connect with their fans and – they're finding different ways. How about this? This came about, I know they were working to finalize it today. So through the hard work of um, of the Blues PR staff, uh, Steve Chapman and company as well, the tomorrow night, this is, this is just going to be awesome, all right? The highlight of the new lineup of original content for the National Hockey League is going to be a reunion of the current members of the 2019 Stanley Cup champion St. Louis Blues. So they're doing this via video conference tomorrow, April 8th, which was originally the scheduled first day of the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. It's going to mark the first virtual coming together of a professional sports team since play was suspended back about a month ago. Fans are going to be able to view the reunion tomorrow at 8 o'clock Eastern time, so 7 o'clock Central time, on NHL.com, the NHL socials channels on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and then up in Canada, NBC Sports Network will also air the gathering on Monday, April 13th at hmm. 5 o'clock. But if you want to see it before Monday, tomorrow night at 7 o'clock, you can tune into NHL.com and check it out. So they're doing a basically a Zoom call or one of the meeting calls with every single member of the team. That's incredible. I love the idea, too, that if, if you miss it on social media, which I don't know how most people would miss it on social media, but if for some reason you don't, they're putting it on NBC Sports. And NBC has been doing a really good job of, of providing hockey content throughout all of this. They've been re-airing games. I know a couple nights ago they re-aired one of the Boston Bruins Blues Stanley Cup Final Series. Yep. But I think that's going to be cool to see that on NBC of where you can watch every single player have a conversation with each other. I loved Joe's interview that he did with Perron and O'Reilly. So to get them all together is going to be real exciting. Yeah, so the Blues putting up on their social media an interview that Joe did with David Perron and Ryan O'Reilly with the video chats. All right, so along these lines, Joe, um, I don't know what the heck that sound was. So Joe's, I'm broadcasting from the studio with with Alex. (laughs) Joe is at home. I don't know what... What I, I got to think that that last sound, was that just a spoon getting caught up in the garbage disposal? <laughs> I am outside, and some individual thought it was necessary to go through a subdivision with the motorcycle and do a wheelie curbs. That's what that oh, was. Oh, nice. Have you been seeing the amount of people on motorcycles doing wheelies and, like, drag racing on the highways? Yeah, stupid. You know, I've been seeing a, I've been seeing a lot of motorcycles. I've been seeing a lot of Jeeps, believe it or not. I think everyone's, like, trading in their yeah. cars for Jeeps. It kind of... Is that like a midlife crisis thing, Curbs? Are you there yet? Are you uh, to okay, curbs? okay. No, okay. Listen. Are you there First yet? off, the phrase, it's a Jeep thing, is a real thing. Okay? If you have ever owned a Jeep, you'll understand. I owned a Jeep. I don't have one. I, had to, I sold it when Gracie was born. 
uh, bought my avalanche at that point in time, right? So um, Christy did not feel it would be safe to put a pumpkin seat and a baby inside. I had a, I had a Jeep Wrangler Sahara. I loved that thing. I missed that thing. So, yeah, if I could buy another Jeep or one or two right now, I'd buy another Jeep. That logo And it on- is not a midlife crisis. It's just a Jeep thing. <laughs> that logo on cars bothers me, but not as much as the one that says, if you can read this, tip me over. I, you don't think that's funny? No, I don't. Why, why don't you think funny, that's funny? I thought it was funny when I was, like, six. Okay, so so humor, you, you, you can't be funny anymore? No, it gets old. Okay, well, what if a six-year-old what? sees it? They, they're, not, they're, not allowed, they're not allowed to have funny stuff anymore? That joke's funny the first time. Oh, and then it's old. Listen, we're in a world of heap right now. If we've got to go with Alex Ferrario's humor scale, all right, that's all. Want, but you don't want to go in that mind. But to that point, this is what I'm asking. Then Joe and Alex. So we we're talking about content out there. What are some of the favorite pieces of player content that you have seen get thrown out around social media or on websites? Joe, you start. Oh, you know, Alex Kirby, I don't know if you saw this. Uh, not a former, not a current player, but a former player. Kevin Bieksa has been all over social yes. media, and it's been amazing. If you haven't seen this, please check this out. I hate, despise Harry Potter. I hate Lord of the Rings. Obviously, I hate Star Wars. I hate anything that's not real. He does this magic trick where he is flying. God, on I, a broom. I just would feel awful for the lack of imagination in your household then. Okay, listen, listen. This I mean, maybe has sparked me. This, this, what he did, maybe sparked my magic. This one is awesome. Great. He he ties a drape to a broomstick, and he has done this magic trip where he is flying through the air to Harry Potter music. It is absolutely hilarious. I watched it like twenty times. Kevin Bieksa is, is like this rising former player media star. Because did did any of you watch his? I guess his emceeing job for the Sedine number retirement ceremony. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was incredible. No. I mean, it, it was like a it was like a Don or a Dean Martin roast is what it felt like. I got to be honest with you guys. I totally have enjoyed the last couple of posts of Vladimir Tarasenko. Yeah, um, I thought the one of him doing squats with his wife on his shoulders. <laughs> Um, there was no way I was going to try that at home. And then, <laughs> and then, uh, and then the one that just came out yesterday or today, was it, yeah. you know, where he's got the goalie gear on and, and I think the NHL tweeted out, said, look out Jordan Bennington, but he kind of jumps in, puts the squats there. And there, one, one of the, one of the things that I really want to do, and I talked to him about it and he, and he says, yes, let's do it. Is is I want to bring fans closer to the culture of our foreign players, mm-hmm. and and specifically having spent ten days over in St. Petersburg two years ago, coming back and talking to Vladimir about it, I just there's such a different culture. And, and one of, for example, one of the things he said, like like mom jokes, okay, all right, like yo mama jokes, like it's just like mom jokes are like the worst kind of jokes you could make over there. Really? Oh yeah, it means Whoa. there there's no there's no cracking a joke. There's no yo mama jokes. I mean, it's well, it's is, not but you your mama was so one. fat that her her cereal bowl came with a lifeguard. There is none of that. Okay? <laughs> because he goes you you crack those and that means you got to fight. That was a good one, Curb. You know. Wow. That, I never that, heard that like one. so so there are things that, there are aspects to it, but I I I've 
I kind of think, I, like, I've enjoyed some of the personality out of Vladimir Tarasenko we're seeing from there. Oh, I agree 100%, especially the goalie. He was in the goalie gear, and he was doing squats behind his wife before That's he went one, out. Yeah. And it was great. Right. So I, I personally have enjoyed it. And, Joe, this is props to you. I thought you did a great interview with Perron and O'Reilly talking about the, the, the bromance and then watching Perron make that uh, last basketball shot. But I have been loving Ryan O'Reilly's post. I don't know if you saw his most recent one. It's him exercising on the ground with his little boy and O'Reilly's in his gym shorts yeah. with no shirt on, but his little boy is there in his diaper and Ryan O'Reilly's doing the leg lifts and his his son's doing the leg lifts. I thought it was hilarious. Plus, it's Ryan O'Reilly so, without so the shirt I'm, on. I'm going to guess on this. Joe, you showed that to Bree and it took her five minutes to realize that there was a baby in the picture. <laughs> hey, the both of us. I was going to say, <laughs> are you kidding me? We still have the cut of Joe. Oh, oh my god. The only thing my wife said when she saw that was I wish Ryan was in his birthday suit too. <laughs> okay. So text him and say next time you next do time that, do will it. you wear a diaper? You know it's funny. And to actually is, send him one. Next time you do it, will you do it in a diaper? Please don't send that to O'Reilly. Yo, we're dumb. I didn't show it to my wife. <laughs> Before we did that interview, Jameson, his son, was on his lap and He's like, all right, I gotta bring my little guy up. He literally, and I was like, is he around you a lot? He's like, he he follows me everywhere. So what you're seeing on social media with Ryan in particular, his wife is about ready to pop. Like she's due soon. I, I think it's early May, but so she's she's any week now. But so she obviously, as we've all been there, not personally, but we've seen people that've been there. When you're about a month away, you go in complete like isolated, uh, miserable mode. So Jameson has followed Ryan everywhere they do sprints together they do a, they do a pregame nap every day together he lays down they, they take naps <laughs> together so what you're seeing with ryan right there is completely genuine so you're and con- by the way he has okay when you're when your name is jameson o'reilly oh yeah you oh. get to, you get two birthdays a year and you know where i'm getting at there you get your actual birthday and arbor day okay but you <laughs> Are you playing the role of Joe here? Uh, or, or yeah, do you, sure. You want to get the other one? I, I know it. I was just. Oh, I, I was going oh, for a laugh. Oh, oh I got Joe you. chuckled. Uh, so that's at I, least a win for me. <laughs> I was not laughing at that. that oh, you weird. chuckled. Yeah. yeah. No, no, but I, I mean, think curse. about that. With with that name, I mean, St. Patrick's Day becomes your day to celebrate. Oh, yeah. Hugely. Now, okay, so there, there. One more personal aspect of, of this, and and I know it's a. Look, you got to find positives and the negatives, and 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 you almost feel like you, almost it's an obligatory thing where you've got to say, if I'm going to talk about a positive, I've got to recognize that I understand all the negatives. Mm-hmm. Okay, so maybe we can get beyond that moment. Through these times comes when when that 0405 lockout hit. Gracie was born on January 10th of 2005. All right, the season was canceled. Christy went back to teach after uh, four, six weeks, I think it was, okay? And I was home. Otherwise, she'd have been born, and it, it would have been nanny time, things like that. I'm traveling, right? It, it was such an amazing, you know, first six months to a year, mm-hmm. me with her, that, like, Carl Gunnarsson, and, and depending on the timing of Ryan O'Reilly, like, and, and, and frankly, and, and Joe Joe is living it right yeah. now, Joe. I mean, it, we're sitting here trying to figure out, do you make a road trip down to California and or, or down to Florida, that kind of stuff, and how do we do this? And instead, you're around where maybe, especially now with the playoffs sitting, you wouldn't have been around as much. I mean, like you just got to take some of those positives, and it sounds like some of these players, based on what we're seeing, Vladimir shooting with his kids, Ryan with his son, they're taking advantage of it. 
No, I think they are. And you know what? Again, Curbs, we talked about a little bit earlier, players recognizing uh, the world around them. And that, that really, there's nothing that they can do. These are predictable creatures just like every other human. I mean, we love predictability. We love to plan. Uh, it's in our DNA, and it's especially into the routine of hockey players. And now that routine is completely combusted. Um, and you kind of don't know where to go. So I think when some of these players are lost, as certainly I was at times throughout that lockout, I just had my son Harper. When, when you're lost and you have a newborn and there's a lockout situation, I mean, where do you go? You always go home. And I think what a lot of these players are doing, they're like looking inside, they're inside their own homes, spending more time with their wives, spending more time with their kids, uh, because this is crucial time that, that we all will, will look back on and say, you know, wow, that was great that we had those moments with our kids. Okay, so uh, as we take this up to the top of the hour and then coming in in our second hour, we're going to bring in Pete Weber, our, our great buddy, just spectacular storyteller. But if the uh, if the playoffs were to have started today and the standings were to look at they are, it would be Blues and Nashville Predators head-to-head. We're going to talk to Pete about uh, things going in Nashville. And, 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 you know, remember they had a coaching change. And in the second yeah. hour as well, we're going to talk – this pause creates some real unique decisions from some general managers when it comes to some coaching scenarios. Remember, we had a lot of coaching changes over the course of this season as well, and there were still some interim coaches out there. With the different content and and the different stuff that we have seen, you're seeing a lot of classic games. So a question that I have for you and, and, and Alex too is, aside from hockey, right, is there – is there a couple of highlights that you've seen that just make you go like, whoa, or tell a story or or think of something going back or to earlier in your childhood? Like, like hockey highlights? Could be hockey, could be anything. Hmm. That's interesting. Uh, I've seen a couple of highlights out there from some old school blues fights, from old school blues games. That took me back to the first time I went to a hockey game. I think I was six years old with my dad, and I saw a Tony Twist fight, which I'll never forget. It was kind of one of those fall-in-love moments with hockey. No, not at all. And then the other one, and I know NHL Network was doing this, but they posted the video on social media was, I don't remember what date it was, but it was the anniversary of that uh, Avalanche Red Wings brawl, that massacre. And it took me back to the interview that... 96, I think. Yeah, it took me back to the interview that Amy Markscores and I did last year with Chris Draper, who was a part of... He was the one that had his face smashed in, basically. And I'll never forget the conversations of him talking with us, of him knowing that there was going to be brutality that night. But that was another moment that, again, I was six years old, start to see these kind of moments, and you're like, wow, this sport's incredible. What about you, Joe? Have you seen any uh, sports highlights of, of whether it be hockey and, you know, you were a multi-sport athlete that, that jogged your memory? You know, I I don't know why, but there are moments where I miss baseball. And I know I'm kind of going off topic here, but you asked for my opinion. I, I was at the old Bush Stadium when Mark McGuire hit number 62. I'll never forget coming home uh, that day, and my dad said, hey, guys, uh, we, we got standing rooms. We're going to go to the stadium. And that's when he was on like a tear. Didn't, no one knew if he was going to break Roger Maris's record that night. Uh, but we, we, we got our, we got our Cardinal stuff on. We got to the ballpark. And uh, it, it's so amazing uh, after talking to Joe Buck about uh, the particular call and how it unfolded and all the, the, the ins and outs of it and how, how, how it just happened. And then witnessing it, I remember the ballpark. I remember the outfield. I remember barely going to the wall and the crowd just erupting. <laughs> And, and this is April. This is April. This is the first week of April. This is when we were supposed to see baseball season. Uh, but for some reason, uh, Big Mac with those big forearms, 
and his vis- his visualization was as, as good as any athlete in the dugout. He hardly swung. He just watched every pitch with such extreme focus. Uh, I, I miss that. I miss it a lot. So last night um, I had to do a grocery store run. Yikes. And uh, did it real quick. But while I was in the grocery store, right, the song comes on the speaker, I Need a Hero. Great song. Right? Okay. Um, holding out for a hero. Okay. So that song for anybody, for most St. Louisans, they're going to remember the 1985 Cardinal season. So then as I'm driving food home, drop food off of my dad for my dad and then driving home, I had a conversation with Mike Claiborne, who was in that Cardinals heck of a year video. I always tease him about it, by the way. I'm like, well, that's a sign. So I sat down and, and last night had the, made the kids, well, didn't make them, but they actually got into it. And we watched that whole 45-minute heck of a year video on YouTube. It's fantastic. Mm. This is it. I, I don't and, know. And, I, and all I remember, I mean, just remember the videos of Willie McGee and Vince Coleman flying around and Jack Buck's call. Coleman flies for third. And it just, it was just absolutely awesome. I don't know. I didn't know that Claiborne was in this video. Oh, you got to watch it. Oh, really? Oh, he's fantastic. Oh, I'm going to have yeah, to go back you gotta and see this song did it justice. Uh, the second greatest scene about this song. Have you guys ever seen Footloose? Yes. yes. Thank you, Joe. Yeah. Yep. Well, that's the that's where I was going to the first thing, and I didn't want to say it because I knew Curbs would just destroy me with it. But Footloose <laughs> is <laughs> Footloose is what came to mind immediately when this song started playing. Man, do you know Alex. that you are having an impact on somebody? Like you, like right now, if we played poker, Joe, I would be smoking Alex. Oh, oh, I'm man. a phenomenal Alex poker player. Has to go through me for all his insecurities. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have to uh, have Dr. Phil moments with Joe. All right, here's what we're going to do. <laughs> we're going to take a break, and when we come back, here's what's coming on in hour number two of This Week in Hockey. Pete Weber is going to join us. Uh, another NHL player has tested positive for COVID-19. We're going to talk about that in the next hour as well because it does bring uh, a real-life scenario to how the continuation of this and why. Calls are coming up, uh, maybe some coaching decisions. So we've got what's up with that, and Alex is another uh, game pitting me and Joe head-to-head. So a lot coming your way in the second hour. We kick it off with Pete Weber right after this on your home for St. Louis Blues Hockey 101 ESPN. And we welcome you back into this weekend hockey. Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, Alex Ferrario with you. Our number two come to St. Louis Blues are starting an e-sports tournament, an e-hockey tournament. Hell yeah. And it's for just high schoolers. Oh. They're going to do a couple of these. This one's just high schoolers. John Gaminski is going to be joining us here in oh, just about 45 minutes to talk to us about it and tell you how to register, what's at stake, and how you can do it. So that's coming up. Stay tuned for that a little later on in the hour. But we kick it off with our good buddy, just about a five-hour drive south of here, Pete Weber, the broadcaster uh, for the Nashville Predators. Been with them since day one. And Pete, man, there's so many different things I could, we could talk about. We could tell baseball stories. We could talk bloopers. But let's just find out how you doing. Everything good down there in Nashville? Doing fine and continuing to collect those bloopers and expand on that uh, collection. Uh, though right now, since March 12th, we essentially have not had the chance to have too many of those uh, come into our little cachet of them. But, uh, yeah, that's it, it's uh, been a strange, strange time to be certain uh, – We've lived through this sort of thing before with lockouts. With, with lockouts, we could try to tell guys to go back to the negotiating table. That's not the case with this at all. 
No, it, it really isn't the case with this at all. Let's let's start with talking hockey. If the playoffs were to start today, or if one of the scenarios the NHL is able to pull off is the way the season ended is the way we're going into the playoffs, you've got a first-round matchup between the St. Louis Blues and the Nashville Predators. Give us your state uh, and your thoughts on what the state of the Nashville Predators was as the pause happened and where things were transitioning with John Hines as their coach. I think it had just begun to really straighten out. Uh, uh, so John Hines became coach the first week of January, and here you had a couple of months there to work things in, change defensive zone coverages around a bit. And the team, when the pause button got hit, had another three-game winning streak going, had not had a four-game winning streak all year. So that will give you the idea of the consistently inconsistent. But they had gone, what, uh, they were 6-3 and three in their previous nine games going into the pause button being depressed. Uh, and we're seeing much better defense being played, and we're seeing the goaltending really pick up again. Pete, Joe Vitale here. And you know, I wanted to talk about, you know, if the season were to come back, like Curve just mentioned with the first round yeah. matchup. I mean, this is a city that not only going through the COVID-19 crisis that we were going through, but a city that was, uh, I guess, embracing a tornado that just busted right through the city of Nashville. Yeah. So a lot of, a lot of turmoil in Nashville. If the season were to get back going again, what would the rally be like for the fans behind this hockey team with the Predators? Well, and then we're Joey. We got to assume we come back and play games at home and not in Grand Forks, North Dakota, too. Among other things that we've heard floated out there, uh, if if it's going to be here in the city, I think things will be absolutely wild. I think the people will jump back uh, like they did uh, in uh, 2000, coming back in this fall of 2006. Uh, <coughs> excuse me, 2005, and everybody just could not wait for play to begin again. But I can't judge what or how people are going to feel, what their confidence level is going to be since we've all been, you know, and I think legitimately so, uh, scared out of our wits about uh, what could possibly happen with our health. Pete, Alex Ferrario here, and, you know, you, we, Curbs mentioned the possibility of a Blues and Predators matchup in the first round, and that's intriguing to me because these two yeah. teams have only met once in playoff history, and you think of the rivalries that the Blues have built up and that the Predators have built up in the playoffs, but this is something yeah. that's really never blossomed before. Right, and it's interesting tonight, you know, we're replaying old games on our flagship station here, and in just a few moments they're going to start uh, game four, the 2017 opening round series, where they finish up their sweep with Chicago. And what followed that, of course, was the series with the Blues in St. Louis and in Nashville. And that that was an incredible spring into summer. It was an incredible sequence of playoffs. And as you guys just lived through, uh, the adrenaline rush is something that is absolutely incredible. And you guys got to take the adrenaline to the nth degree. Yeah, I'll tell you what I remember about that 2017 series is a brutal call in Game Six. <laughs> yeah. All of us can do that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just amazing. It's amazing when you do think about those things and, and what what pops in your head and what stirs emotion with the other. We're talking with Pete Weber, the longtime voice of the Nashville Predators, and boy, Pete has got an amazing, an amazing hockey and broadcasting background that uh, that could fill several hours. But 
Pete, uh, you know what? I constantly on, on Twitter, you follow you, and you're tweeting all sorts of different things for the fans that may not know here in St. Louis. One of your favorite things to do in the summertime is come up and catch a Cardinal game, isn't it? No, it's multiple games. Oh, I, I apologize. <laughs> a whole series. Yeah, I want, I, I want to do multiples. I mean, uh, I'm a kid who uh, was at the last game at Sportsman's Park on Mother's wow. Day in 1966. And got a foul ball that day off the bat of uh, one Willie Howard Mays as I was sitting up the second deck uh, down toward the right field corner. Do you still have the ball? Oh, boy, I wish. But I was like most kids that age, stupid and had to play with it right away and got it beaten up. (laughs) (laughs) Pete, if you had to call any other sport besides hockey, would baseball be it? Yeah, I think so. I think that would be fair. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I've been asked that question before, and I can't think of a better answer for it than that. And it isn't that interesting. Two vastly different sports to call. Yes. But uh, And hockey was more along the lines of baseball until we came back from the lockout in 2005 with the speed-up play. Uh, we used to actually be able to tell stories during hockey games on radio. And uh, now you have to root for something that rarely happens, and that's like a breakage of glass or something along those lines. And in our early years with the Predators, I mean, one night we had three glass breakage stoppages in each period in a game in San Jose against the Sharks. And uh, I haven't seen one, I don't think, in two years. That's a Chris Kerber nightmare. Uh, what? Do you, what? <laughs> they, they would break? <laughs> Oh, we got plenty of stories to tell. No, that's what I'm saying. A Chris Kerber oh, nightmare, yeah. meaning you got three different opportunities to go to uh, go deep into what's in your head. Oh well, that now that <laughs> might be if, if we're going that. I what? All right, Pete. Let's one you of my psychologist here. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite game delay things. So in the minor leagues where you cannot, uh, where you could not, you, you didn't have an engineer. You're doing your own equipment, right? And a t-shirt flinger. Uh, in Portland, Maine, flings a T-shirt but doesn't get it over the glass and oh, no. hits the oh, glass no. and ricochets off the glass underneath the Zamboni and jams up the Zamboni. And this is oh. on, like, its very first trip around. So it takes yeah. them about 25 minutes. Well, I can't take a break. I've got no. – I, I can't even – if I go to a break, I screw up the format for the rest of the game, which is still going to get continued – I can't right. get out of the way to go grab a scout because we were in, in the building in Portland, Maine. You're kind of just kind of oh, centered yeah. and on your own. Yes. And yes. I literally got to the point where I was going, here's who's leading the Philadelphia Phantoms in scoring. Here's who's <laughs> yeah. leading. And and then finally I said, you know what, everybody, hang tight. Give me 30 seconds. And I left 30 seconds of dead air, walked over, grabbed a scout, <laughs> and pulled them back so we had we had somebody to talk about. What, what's one of your great kind of game delay snafus and all the either travels in, in, pros, in the major league level? Level or NHL level or even one of your minor league runs? I think uh, in many ways the best one was uh, probably when we were uh, – it would have been with the Kings. When I was with the Kings a long, long time ago, all of my photos from that era are in black and white. And we were waiting for General Manager George McGuire to come across at the Boston Garden to our broadcast bucket. You might recall we hung from buckets right. there for a while off the side of the balcony. And uh, I was worried to death out in, in there. He was going to go ahead and fall all the way down into the seats. So I was trying to talk, and this is a simulcast, right? So I was trying to talk as smoothly as I could to get him down there. 
and make sure he was secure. And by the time we got him into that on-camera position, he was breathing so hard, you would have thought we were shooting a porn movie. <laughs> oh my god unbelievable I mean, so that, Pete. that's one of those things that's one of those things where you, you, it's a simulcast so i think the people could see he was the, on the television side they right. could see he was disheveled from working his way down but on radio all you heard was the the heavy breathing <laughs> Pete, Pete, who did you who did you admire growing up? Why did you want to get in this business? And who were some of your heroes that broadcast the games? Gee, you know, growing up in Galesburg, Illinois, I was going across the dial at night on my little Zenith uh, bedside radio, and I seemed to uh, pull in this guy named Harry Carabina, who was working with a guy named Jack Buck out of Sportsman's Park in St. Louis. And I was listening to those guys and could tell how much fun they were having doing that. And I didn't, I was too young to realize at that point in time, they were getting paid for doing it. And then later on, when I thought they were getting paid, I thought, whoa, I got to try and pursue this if I possibly can. And so that's really what kind of uh, launched my interest in all of this to begin with. So, Pete, at the beginning of the show, you and Curbs mentioned the bloopers. So give our listeners an idea of the bloopers that you're talking about, and and I want to know some of your favorites. <clears throat> well, I can only discuss them briefly, uh, <laughs> and because this is a family show, correct? This is, uh, yeah. It is. Well, this is, this, is, this is not a podcast. I'm not doing the <laughs> Craig Custance podcast that I did. Where we actually uh, don't worry bloopers. about it. The FCC is not listening anyway. <laughs> a couple of weeks They're ago. They're stuck in their hey, houses. I'll, I'll tell you what about that. I did, uh, our, our uh, station in Buffalo decided we wanted to broadcast the Conrad Dobler Roast. Uh-oh. So old St. Louis football Cardinals fans will understand this. And as it turned out, my chief engineer said, I've got your delay all set up. Should be no problem. So my wife and I are driving back downtown to the station after the roast was over. And I heard our next talk show host going, my Lord, the language. Phil Villapiano, my Lord, what came out of that man's mouth? But Phil, and uh, as it turned out, uh, the delay system did not work at all. I believe the count, I believe the count was 37 F-bombs that got on the air that night. And here's the, here's the kicker to it. You say, don't worry about it. The FCC isn't listening. It's not the key as to whether the FCC is listening That's or not. That's right. It's whether or not someone complains to the FCC. Bingo. This, the station got one call of complaint that night. I took it, and it sounded like a, an elderly lady, and she was complaining that we cut the show off. She was enjoying it so much. <laughs> see, see, F-bombs create so a entertainment. Big, a, big, a big fan of Phil Villapiano, as it turned out. Pete, we used to have, uh, there used to be, well, the Knights of the Cauliflower Year is still a, a club yep, in yep. town, okay? And and, 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 I, and I know you like to come into some of these dinners. I know you came in and participated in one with us just a couple of years ago uh, yeah. on one of your off nights. Well, the... Um, Barry Melrose was our our keynote speaker, and this Uh-oh. was being aired on on uh, on on KTRS actually the first station that we were on when I first got here, and yep. and Jim Hewer's running the board and he's he's got the dump button, and they told they told Barry and and this is one hundred percent in defense of Barry, they said uh, you can say whatever you want you don't have to worry about it you don't have to censor anything and it's a group of guys, 
So when you're planning your speech, do this. Well, this happened to be one. Something happened over time where like a whole bunch of these guys, not a whole bunch, I'd say about 20 of them brought their wives and a couple of them brought kids. So now there's some wives, there's some kids in here, and this thing's going out over the air, and they didn't tell Barry that this thing is broadcasted live, too. And he says, well, I came with a speech, and I'm going to do it. And he did it. And I'm telling you, they might have broken that record of 37 F-bombs. And a couple of the stories that went out there, well, Jim Hewer was pushing that dump button so quick <laughs> that it takes, you know, it takes a few minutes to reset. Yeah. He finally, I mean, it, it broke. <laughs> It just it, it just broke. So yeah, that that, that is that that is going to happen. What is what is one of your favorite uh, your favorite gaffes of all time that you've got a record of? Uh, I would have to say, without question, it's got to be Terry Crisp discussing Kale Hulse clearing the zone when his arms were pinned up against the glass in San Jose. And we came back from break, and John Guayana was our producer at the time, and he's counting down five, four, three. Two, okay, Crispy, take it. And he goes, Kale Hulse, as you can see, with a nice, he wanted to say soccer kick. It did not come out quite that way. And uh, we were then broken up for about 90 seconds on the air. And even Terry couldn't get to his cough button soon enough. And it came, and he came down, he'd say, Kale Hulse with a nice bleep, but there was no bleep. And then he goes, <laughs> You can hear that chuckle <laughs> going down behind. Then we had, so we were simulcasting again from San Jose. And our stage manager there, who I don't know if she had laughed once in the previous 20 years, she was, <laughs> she was bent over at the waist, just convulsing with laughter. Uh, then our radio engineer was sitting right next to us, took his headset off and put his face down on the desk and was just laughing his keister off. And thank God, within about 90 seconds, Dennis Arkipov scored a goal so we could go up with that. But then we always said, uh, when that was heard and uh, put throughout the NHL, Kale Hulse, after that, married one of the girls from Baywatch. Is, uh, oh, wow. <laughs> is, is, uh, like Bob, is Bob Miller's and, and in your top married. five? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Which one? S. Appearance? Uh, the standing in front there? of the net? Oh, yes, yes, yes. With the, uh, Yes, that was Mario Lassard. I'll describe this scenario. We were in Edmonton. In those days, we recorded our own highlights on site, and Bob and I had both done college hockey, so we would carry like a box of cassettes with us to go on a road trip. And then just after something would happen, we would hit stop and then pop that cassette out, so we would always have it. Well, this night, Rick Hampton, who was a defenseman the uh, Kings got uh, after the merger between Minnesota and Cleveland, he ran into Mario Lassard, the goaltender, and broke Mario's goalie stick. And then the next thing out of Bob's mouth was, and now Mario Lassard is standing in front of the king's net with about eight inches of shaft in his hand. <laughs> at, which, at which point, I opened the door to the booth there at Edmonton and walked out on the back because I, just, I was just going to explode with laughter. And Bob did as well. I mean, yeah, that was. And there is video of this one on YouTube, by the way, folks, where Bob's look afterwards is just priceless. He's telling the story on YouTube. Exactly. Story time with Bob probably about three, four years ago. Uh, when he told that on camera. That was just classic. Well, Pete, Curbs and Joey know plenty about mentioning hockey players in shafts in the middle of games, so you're not the only one. Well, yeah. we, have, we have a sport that has two very challenging words, puck and shift. And, and you can just 
Yeah, enough, exactly. <laughs> and Shaft. Exactly. Uh, Pete, man, I'm we love you about, so much, brother. We're talking about John Shaft, right? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know what, Pete? Forget it. This has become a podcast, and yep. we're going to keep you on for the next two and a half hours. Okay, if you want, I will just—I'll send you some of those cuts. <laughs> we're switching to the podcast. Uh, Unreal. Listen, Pete, uh, I, I don't know how long this is going to last, but uh, we'll stay in touch and we'll share some more stories and uh, make sure that people don't lose their sense of humor in this whole thing, too. Thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate well, you. Exactly. I hope that all those kids you're reading for coming up are able to understand what's going on here. The, uh, tonight's book, by the way, is called Parts, and uh, it's an older book. Uh, and, and my wife actually went to uh, her third grade classroom and pulled uh, and pulled some extra books back home for me. But uh, I, I can tease the fans by saying this one actually even refers to belly button lint. So this one's got some good humor. All right, that's outstanding. Yeah, it's. But I don't. I, I don't know if I would put it up there quite with Walter the farting dog. Well, Walter was, you know, and the, the bad thing was the, the owners knew they should not have fed him beans. Yeah, and they went ahead and did it. Yeah, they they, they, tr- they the tried. The best part of story time with curbs are the props, without question. <laughs> uh, Pete, thank you very thank much, you sir. Appreciate it, thanks, Pete. I, thanks, Pete. I appreciate the chance to visit. Take care, guys. Uh, you got it. You know, on Sunday when we did Walter the Farting Dog, uh, telling my kids to go online and find the sound effects might have been one of the funniest things. Like I had, I couldn't get off the floor. I was laughing so hard. And then the best part is at the end. So if you go on the Twitter feed and, and you and you watch it, it's worth it. Okay, this this go back and watch this one because this one even had me belly laughing. But at one point in time, at the end, I just pointed to Gabby so she could hit the button. And she hit one that we had not tested. And it's got some guy groaning while he's tooting. I mean, we couldn't get off that Twitter feed quickly enough. But uh, it's funny. Oh, it's it was, funny. Yeah. Fart, I, listen. Look, fart jokes are universal. Okay, listen. I don't care who you are. Okay, I feel bad for anybody that can't laugh at a fart. That's all we got to say. All right, we come back. Let's get back into some hockey. There was another player. Okay, don't laugh at that because that's going to become all of our reality one day in life. All right, so when we we come back, all right, when we come back, um, two two real scenarios going on here. One, another player tested positive for COVID-19. We'll talk about that or at least bring you up to date on that. But secondly, it's from a coaching decision standpoint. Some GMs could be in a real interesting spot. We'll explain on the flip side. This Week in Hockey continues on your home of St. Louis Blues. Hockey 101 ESPN. All right. We bring you back into This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Again, play Gloria. The St. Louis Blues run to the cup presented by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. That starts uh, your way Thursday night, every Thursday and Friday night. The two games this week, the game on Feb- from February 19th of a year ago, when the Blues set their franchise record, 11 straight wins. And then on Friday night, game one of last season's playoffs, the Blues' first victory over the Winnipeg Jets. That's what's coming up tomorrow night on Behind the Bench, presented by Boardwalk Hardwood Floors. We're going to profile Barkley Plager. And earlier today, I was able to catch up with both Bernie Federico and Bobby Plager to talk to them about Barkley Plager, and it may be 
It may be one of my favorite kind of uh, shows I've put together really ever, just listening to these guys talk about Barkley Plager and how much he was revered. So from 6 to 7 tomorrow night, it's all about Barkley Plager. So uh, hopefully you'll enjoy the, the talks from with Bernie Federico and Bobby Plager on that one tomorrow night. All right, coming up here in this segment, uh, we're going to play Alex's game as he pits me and Joe head-to-head, and I don't even know what the topics are going to be. Uh, we're going to talk uh, actually some serious hockey talk here for just a moment. And then at... About oh, 7.45, stay tuned. Uh, John Gaminski from our Blues front office is going to talk to us about the eSports tournament that the Blues have been working on for quite a while. And so for all the, the parents of high schoolers out there, this first tournament is going to be for high school kids. So uh, stay tuned, and, and we're going to tell you how you can register and what's at stake there. All right, guys, it, it came out today. Apparently, another Colorado Avalanche player tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. Um, first off, I think that it, it should be understood when you hear enough real-life situations that that shouldn't be taken lightly just because it's a younger person versus an older person. It, it, it can still take the life of of someone that's younger as well. Um, this player has been quarantined. They didn't release the name of it. And for those that say we need to know, I don't think the name matters. I don't think it really is relevant. But here's what it does show, Joe and Alex. You know, here's a situation where... You know, the players are supposed to have not been around each other, right? For at this point, we're going on four weeks. You're well beyond that 14-day separation quarantine time period where if you did get exposed and you haven't shown symptoms in 14 days, you know, you you, you should be, uh, you know, clear and out of the woods yet. But this shows why sports teams can't just fire back up again because, again, if you've gone to the grocery store, if you've gone, if you haven't done anything but sit at home, there is a chance you have been exposed in some way, shape, or form. Or if your, if your spouse or a family member did, you go and you don't even social distance with your family properly. Maybe you go over to your dad's house, your mom's house, something like that. Somebody else is over there. T- like again, this is the kind of thing, and it's a reminder that it's just not going to be as as easy as as you think to. Just so I say, okay, the players have been separated, so they should be fine. Joe, this goes back to what I talked about on Twitter, even the afternoon of that game in Anaheim before the seasons got paused, where aside from them being at the rink, they're living the lives with everybody else. They're exposed like everybody else. Well, and they're people. And to me, Curbs, about getting back to the game, uh, that's an interesting one. You know, like we were talking about earlier in the show, it's not going to be just a uh, a flare goes up and everyone's going to go back to normal life. And it's because of this reason, uh, you know, Dr. Anthony Fauci, if I'm saying his name right, who's been doing, he's kind of the leader behind all this and great information. Uh, he, he's pushing testing. And, and at first I'm like, well, testing, like, oh, so you know, you have it. You don't, like, what's the big deal? We, we need other, maybe other areas, but, but it's actually really important. I think in regards to hockey uh, and getting back because until they have enough testing, until they can give testing and then you can get results in a timely manner, to me, you really can't move forward because of what just happened in Colorado. Now, let's say the league uh, gets back to work. Uh, let's just say, for example, in a month. Uh, before the players can get together, you got to have in place enough testing yes. where you can test all these players. Do uh, uh, Did they have it? Are they immune to it? Do they currently have it? And if they do, they can't be around another team because the last thing this league or any sports team wants is to get everyone back together. It turns out one of the players has it. Now the whole team has it, and then we're right back to where we got uh, where we started from. So testing, to me, is what really needs to kind of be coming up to the front lines 
as far as when and how this thing gets back and running. The other aspect of this, Alex, is this. It's information and how it's used. Testing, in some cases, has taken up to 10, 11 days, two weeks to get the results back. So somebody that may feel that they've had symptoms may quarantine themselves, and by the time they've gotten the test results back, they're actually on the tail end of it mm-hmm. and, fr- and and not even um, not even feeling the symptoms or even contagious anymore. So the other thing that I would caution is that when you see a headline that comes out like it did today where another Colorado Avalanche player tested positive, unless you know the details of when were they tested, how long, all this other stuff, you've got to temper yourself within this bubble of a whole world of questions and scenarios that goes around it. You just can't say he got it yesterday. It happened because he was around another hockey player or vice versa. There are way too many possible scenarios to jump to those kind of conclusions. Well, it's nearly impossible to, to, to decipher when that happened because of how long it takes. But then the other fact with that is, again, like you mentioned, Curbs, if these guys aren't just sitting at home for two straight weeks where no symptoms appear, you're not around anybody, your siblings, your, your significant other, your kids, they haven't been around anybody, and you know for a fact that you're symptom-free, that's the ideal scenario where you can be like, okay, we'll put everybody in an empty stadium, a neutral site where all of our players are good, but you're never going to get that opportunity. Well, and you're also not going to have the testing opportunities either because then you're going to get the scrutiny of why are we using the testing on athletes rather than other – I mean, there's – Joe's point, that's that's when when, if testing, if and when, it can become more readily available as part of it. Now, another aspect of what's going on, Joe, is – Let's just, for the sake of this argument, say the National Hockey League were to find a way to be able to play some part of their season or playoffs in the month of uh, late July or August, just for the sake of, of argument here. You have teams like the Minnesota Wild. You have teams like the San Jose Sharks and a couple others that were dealing with interim coaches. You know, you remember that the Sharks hired Bugner when they fired Pete DeBoer. You know, the Minnesota Wild. You know, when they let go of Bruce Boudreaux. These, if the season were to resume, these general managers have to decide, if they haven't already, do they go and continue with interim coaches? Do they remove interim tags? Do they make these guys head coaches? I still think, and this isn't talked about, and I understand why it would be on the back burner, but as much as free agency, there's still a heck of a coaching carousel that can happen here. No, it really can. And what's interesting about this is that when you see new coaches being hired in the summer and the offseason, uh, Chris and Alex, it's always generally when when things have all kind of simmered down from the playoffs. There's a bit of a uh, grace period, a little breathing before the draft. But but GMs love to have their coach by the draft. That That, that is always the date. We need to have a coach in place. Uh, to make sure he uh, verifies it and kind of gives a stamp of approval on some of these draft picks in the direction that we're going with this team. Uh, who knows what's going to happen with the draft? We, you know, we already know it's going to be postponed. We don't know when. Uh, but it, so that that's the intriguing. I mean, Ralph Kruger, for example, with the Buffalo Sabres last year, uh, just looked it up. He got hired in mid-May. That's when teams like to hire coaches. So this is going to have a whole nother snowball. Um, uh, Bruce Boudreaux getting fired in Minnesota. You mentioned that one. Curves. Bob Bugner now in San Jose. Uh, not only coaches that are interim, but what about coaches that could be hired to become head coaches? I mean, just for example, top of my head, thinking of the Boston Bruins, they went to the final last year. Uh, looks like they were in, in, in the works of maybe going to another run this year. Uh, Joe Sacco, one of their assistant coaches, a very sought-after guy, 
who is, is on the verge of becoming a head coach in the National Hockey League. If Boston Bruins, let's say they make a run in August, like you said, if the season were to come back and play, they make a run in August, a little grace period in September, you get back going October. Um, can GMs hold off that long uh, with, a, with a guy like Joe Sacco to become your head coach when he is so busy and obviously um, going, going through a playoff stretch with the Boston Bruins? Well, that goes to the point where we were just talking about off-air curbs. Pierre Lebrun put the uh, put the report out that teams that aren't positioned for a playoffs opportunity, if the season does pick back up, they're already doing end-of-the-season evaluations on players. So you would imagine that teams that may be looking at coaching hires or have the interim, they may be having those conversations of, okay, are we going to stick they're with this? They're not maybe. They are. They having, are, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can't you cannot. You still have to do whatever planning and things you have to. Does that fall into the tampering tampering conversation, though? No, because, no, not if because no one's going to reach out to another team and ask to speak to the coach without permission anyway. Yeah. So that, that's an interesting one. All right, uh, but before we go to the break, let's uh, let's head to your game. Let's let's get it off that and go go to. All right, what are we doing tonight? So we're calling this Curbs and Joey, and this is round two. And if we remember correctly, last week Joey won, where it was the mm-hmm. NHL Players Association voters. Joey pulled out on top, so we'll see if Kerber can have it. We're doing a hockey player spelling bee tonight. Ooh, oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we have 10 total names, and I'm going to go. Be a lot more confident whenever the hell you and I go head-to-head in math, Joe. <laughs> oh, my God. That'll be next oh, week. Yeah, you're a, math ma- you're a math minor, aren't you? No, no, I just took too many more math classes than I needed Don't to. Don't worry, Joe. We'll do a Lord of the Rings trivia at some point. Jeez, so we're going to go Curbs, then Joey. It's going to be different names for each one of you. i got 10 okay. total names. All right. All right. Curbs is going to start first because he lost last week. We so any kind of music to put behind this? Do we got music for us, Dan? We'll find some type of hero. music. You want, I, need, I need a hero. Because you need a hero to pull this one out. So I, I will say this goes from moderate to very difficult at the end. So we'll see kind of what, who goes on top. So early is better here. While Dan's looking for the music, we'll start okay. with this one, Curbs. Nicholas Jalmerson. 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 And you just Jalmerson. need the last name. Can you use it in a sentence? Uh, Nicholas Jalmerson <laughs> has had an injury-plagued last couple of seasons. Nicholas Jalmerson. Do you need the origin of? H-J-A-L-M-A-R-S-S-O-N. That is a correct answer. From the Listen, voice of the blues, Chris Kerber. Th- this is a very unfair because he reads more names than me. I look for numbers. He's always saying Jalmerson, armpit to armpit. He knows how to spell these names. <laughs> what really? You're 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 bitching in round one. Okay, I just want to lighten this out there. Okay, you're th- you're throwing it out there. Like like how how do you not know that he like what if he gives you Ryan Smith? I can do that. S M I T H. Actually, no. that's oh, not correct. But that wasn't. The- Come on, Joe. All right, Joe, your All right, next now, one. Continue. Your next one. <laughs> Jesse Pooley-Arvey. Oh, Pooley-Arvey. Uh, it would help, it would help if Alex says the name right. I pulled this off the <laughs> NHL pronunciation. Pooley-Arvey is what they have. Okay, my best shot. <laughs> if he I screws it up, J's. do I get a chance? I know there's a couple of J's in Okay, Pooley-Arvey, so I'm going to go P-U-L. No. P-U-L, J. U-Y-A-R-V-I? I don't know. Man, yeah, you missed it by one U. letter. You need another U in there. You missed it by one letter. The Y should have been a J, Joe. What? i got to write this down. Damn it, give me paper. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You got that one incorrect. All right, Curbs. Next one. Jason Bakashua. 
Ooh, former oh, Blues oh, pick, goaltender. But Cashua. Uh, B A C. Damn it, this, there's a. Uh, can't remember if there's another C there. B A C A S H I U A. Nope. Dang it, there's an H in there, too. There's another H. B-A-C-A-S-H-I-H-U-A. Yeah. I knew that. All right, Joe, this is I your opportunity. We traded, we traded him to Dallas. Uh, we traded him to the Dallas Stars for All right, a stop Stars delaying. pick. I got to go. I got to go. Come on, keep going, Alex. He's delaying. I see what he's doing. I'm giving you time to look it up on the internet, you moron. All right, Joe. <laughs> Next one. Former Blue Eric Boganicki. Oh, okay, Eric. I'm okay. I got a piece of paper. I'm write this down. You don't need to spell Eric, by the way. Just Boganicki. Okay, Eric. E R I C. No, Boganicki. yeah, but you know Eric John. Is he E R I K? Well, he said E R C. So no, that's he said, he said I. He Did said, he? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Johnson's I K. I said it. Okay, Eric Bo- Boganicki. Boganicki. Really, you went okay. with Jeopardy music? Uh Bog. I know there's okay. Bogu. I think he's Swedish, right? Okay. No, he's United. He's a U.S. born say, guy. He's US. He actually his off season got, his off season home is out on Cape Cod. I think he's got some Swede back in his um, line. Okay, Eric Boganicki. B O G. I'm writing this down. B O G U N. B O G U N. He's not writing it down. He's cheating. You do know that right now, right? I C K Y. Well, he got um, it wrong got if he's no, cheating. So yeah, then he can't read. B O G U N I E C K I. That's correct. Listen, I don't. I don't cheat. At Jeopardy games. I get like two right a night, and I'm very okay, proud right, of myself. Just... I am not cheating. Here. All right, Curbs. Dustin Bufflin. Oh, that's easy. Tori Joe. Yeah, Bufflin. B U. Jeez, oh, I can't believe I'm going to blank on this one right now. Can I do this one? B U F. <laughs> I was going to let you spell it, but it's already wrong. Oh, it? B-Y. Oh, that's right. I screwed it's that B-Y-F-U-G-L-I-E-N. up. B-Y-F-U-G-L-I-E-N. All right, Joe, another opportunity. I can tie it up here. Here we go. Maxim Afinaginov. You can't tie it up here. You haven't got one right. Well, you've only got one right. Oh, never mind. You can't tie it up. <laughs> <laughs> I got Bog- actually- Sorry, I got Boganicki right. It just didn't count. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Sorry. Can, can we actually go to a math quiz next week? Because obviously Curbs can't add one. <laughs> Joe, Maxim Afinaginov. Oh, my God. Uh, Maxim. I know Maxim because it was my favorite magazine. I was waiting for that I am Afinaginov. Afinaginov. I don't know. A-F-F. No. 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 A-F-I-N-O-G. A-F-I-N. R-A-G-E-N-O-V. No, it's O-G. Damn it. All right. Back to Curbs. Hobby Bullen. Ooh, that one's tough, actually. Ooh, Nikolai Hobby Bullen. <laughs> Nikolai okay, Hobby you went, you went a little old school on this one. Mm-hmm. Um, Hobby Bullen. K-H-A-B-I-B-U-L-I-N. Ding, ding, ding. Wow. Look at that. Joe. So here's how this works. Wait, I got one for Joe. Pear Smart bought it. <laughs> F-A-R-T. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Joe, here's the scenario. Curbs has two correct. You don't have any. There's three more. So you have to get this one to win. Okay. 
Come on, give it to me. To give win to or to have a chance. I'm sorry. It's over if, well, it's not over because, it's yeah, over. it's over. It's over. He's sorry. down 2 nothing. My Who's math is horrible right now. now. How about give Curbs, give Curbs one of the last three, and so if I get it right, I get two points and we tie. So he'll, he'll give you the That's a terrible one. game Who idea. The hell plays Come on. for a tie. Just spell this one right, Joe. Okay. All right. Wait, 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 wait. I'll give you two to one odds. If you get this one right, then we're tied 2 2. I'll give you two to I'll let you push me to the final hole. That's what she said. Uh, you ever have word vomit moments <laughs> that wasn't supposed to happen <laughs> thank you michael scott all right not going there joe wild curves is oh i missed that Hey, someone asked me the other day, like, what do you miss about Colin Blue's game? I said, I miss looking over and Curb's belly overlapping and like him trying to call the game, but he can't. Well, I mean. it's right now. So while Curb's is kind of out of it, uh, spell Niederreiter. Oh, hold on. Can Curb's do some play-by-play play really quick? I was going to kick out. Oh, God. I'm like, I got, I got tears rolling down my eyes right now. All right, oh, Kirk, Joe. Okay, wait, wait, wait. Is he spelling Scott or Rob? What? No, it's Nino Niederreiter. Oh, I thought you said Niedermeyer. No, Niederreiter. Oh, okay. Then Niedermeyer. That's too easy. Okay. Niederreiter. Okay, he's a good good paisan, good Italian man. N-I-N-O, which also means son in Spanish for all you Spaniards out there. Niederreiter. N-I-E-D. Need. Uh, er, E-R. Uh, I E T E R. No, reversed it. No, he had it. He just needed one more R. No, he had it. He just needed one more R. It was two R's. He had one R. Dang it. I before E. It's a pretty good game. So I had two more. Curbs was going to get Shane Gostas. Gostas Bear. G O S T I S B E H E R. That's incorrect. One more E at the end of it. Effort. It ends with an E. R E. Oh man! And Dang. then Joe, you would have gotten. Well, I was gonna say that you just cut it off real quick. <laughs> and then Joe, you would have gotten Byron Phrase. Ooh, Good luck wow. with this one. Byron it's, Phrase. It's, it's B-Y- freezing, isn't it? B Y R O N. Yeah. Obviously, Byron. Or is, is it a Y or an I? No, you're right. It's a Y. Okay. Okay. And then uh, I don't. know. I would say F R A S E. No, F R O E S E. Well, there you go. So oh, the CK, the C is silent. So the cur- <laughs> <laughs> so the curbs versus Joey ah, round two. Great line from Billy Madison. <laughs> goes are you going to the mall later? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, goes to Chris Kerber. It is tied up at one game apiece. So next week will be round three. That's oh, that was embarrassing. Sorry, All right, we'll take a quick break. When we come back, e gamers, e sports. The Blues are putting on a tournament. You're going to learn about it on the flip side on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Final time here on This Week in Hockey. Alex Ferrario, the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, all with you as we wrap things up. Again, don't forget, tomorrow night is the Boardwalk Cardwood Floors Behind the Bench Show. Chris Kerber has that as he will talk with Bernie Federko and Bobby Plager, spotlighting Barkley Plager as a head coach for the St. Louis Blues. Then on Thursday and Friday night, we have Play Gloria, the Blues run to the cup, which is brought to you by Mitsubishi Electric Cooling and Heating. Thursday night will be the Blues versus 
first Maple Leafs game. That was the 11th straight victory for St. Louis. We'll have a live pregame show with me, Curbs, and Joe Vitale starting at 6. The puck drop at 7 o'clock. Then on Friday, it's game one of the Stanley Cup Finals first round. Blues versus the Winnipeg Jets. 7 o'clock puck drop with the broadcast. We'll have a live 6 o'clock pregame show. Plenty of fun interviews, behind-the-scenes stories. we got a new segment, Scorebook segment, where we dive in to some numbers with Chris Kerber. So uh, so we got all of those for you on Thursday, Friday night. And as Kerbs mentioned earlier, we have a full slate of hockey programming for you uh, coming up this week here on your home for the St. Louis Blues, 101 ESPN. Okay, listen, as, as we continue on here, so we're coming from the studio, uh, limited numbers a lot in the studio, and you've got um, – You've got Joe back at home, and and there are just some sound effects that are just coming from Joe. Like every, we're gonna have to come up with our own sound effect that pauses the broadcast, and we go, Joe, what was that? <laughs> we need to have one of those television like, I shows. I don't know what that sigh you just did was. We need to have one of those those sound effects that goes, Reed! and then Joe, what the hell was that? <laughs> Oh man, I was doing a radio show. Uh, it was the we were doing the battle in the broadcasters. Me, Chaser, Barry Melrose, and Darren Detition. Weekly show. It was phenomenal fun to do. And uh, we, we had a road trip, and we went out to Banff. Bernie Federico says so the whole media crew went out to Banff on a couple of days off in Calgary. We still had to do the show from the hotel. All right, so I've got the 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 wired phone in the one hotel room. Chaser's got the cordless. And right in the middle of a segment, he walks into the bathroom, uses the bathroom, flushes, right? And he's got the cordless phone. Like, we're doing a segment. You hear it all. Comes back out, and I'm looking at him, and he goes, what? <laughs> that's, that is a, what? That is true. Well, I'm not sure that that's really the segue we needed going into this one oh, here. Oh, sure, but why not? Let's bring in John Gaminski, the Blues digital team, and... John, um, who uh, I have a ton of fun with John in the office, just an awesome sense of humor and a lot of the digital content you see, John uh, helps uh, t- take care of with, with the hockey team. And he has been part of the group and part of the team that is bringing and putting together this e-tournament for the St. Louis Blues. John, thanks for joining us, buddy. How you doing today? I'm doing good. Thanks for that great intro with the Kelly Chase story. I mean, that fits perfectly with three of my favorite people in the whole wide world. Well, I could, mm. I could talk, uh, I could talk about you setting all sorts of uh, University of Missouri club hockey records, but I didn't find oh. any. Oh, oh. Yeah. oh. Yeah. now that was you know that was cold uh, gummy. Yeah, t- Tyler Tyler Pang said to throw that out there. Now I'm going to throw Tyler under the bus. <laughs> uh, most penalty minutes in a season, maybe. Um, not too much else, I don't think, though, unfortunately. <laughs> All right, well, that, and that is because most of the time uh, when you weren't studying, you were gaming and you were working on the video games. But, um, John, uh, this is really a cool thing that the St. Louis Blues are doing. So give everybody an idea of, first off, um, the big picture, What is ha- what, what is the e-tournament that's coming up that people can register for now? Because this one is specifically for high school students, right? So, so yeah, there's two of them, actually. Um, they're both starting on uh, April 18th. The registration closes April 17th. And the tournament that's kind of open for everyone is the uh, Blues Gaming NHL 20 Showdown. So that's available for anyone who's 16 and older. And you can sign up on the website. Uh, the winner, we have a tournament on Xbox and on PlayStation for the open console. And the uh, the winner will win a team-signed jersey from the Blues team this year and a $250 gift card to uh, STL Authentics. 
And then uh, we'll also have prizes for the second and uh, third place finishers as well on each console. And that's kind of the main one that we're trying to get uh, everyone involved in the public. The uh, secondary tournament is the uh, NHL High School Championship. And that is uh, kind of a more personal tournament where we're working in partnership with Maryville University. And they're kind of uh, taking signups in a more uh, information, uh, ask and request information basis. So if you're uh, in high school, you don't have to play for your hockey team. You don't have to be a part of any esports uh, club within your school. I know those have been uh, kind of popping up pretty rapidly over, over the last uh, few years or so. But anyone who's interested, and uh, you can go to our website, which is stlouisblues.com slash esports. That's where all this information kind of lives. And you'll, uh, you can fill out this form, and a member of the Maryville team will kind of contact you to see if anyone else in your high school has already filled out the form, that maybe you can already ho- kind of hop onto a team. Or, uh, or if you're starting up a new one and you have five friends or, you know, whatever you have to kind of start this off, they can work with you to try and find that out. So all the information you need is on uh, is St. Louis Blues slash eSports again. But uh, the, the tournaments are kind of set up for two different groups that we threw together here because of this uh, unfortunate situation right okay, now. Okay, so the one tournament is for anybody, basically anybody that wants to play 16 and older. The other one yeah. is more specifically the high school tournament for high school students. And if you don't have a team, you can sign up. They'll, they'll, they'll try to find you a team uh, and, and that kind of thing. And but they'll Or do you want somebody... You want somebody to put a team together from their school. So, you know, if you have five buddies at your school that, you know, you play online, you know, there's a six-on-six mode, whatever it is, you know, we're trying to get people to grow their teams within their schools. So if you are just bringing yourself and you want to sign up and then, you you know, we can kind of piece together a team through other people signing up or just bring whatever you got is basically the message that we're saying. We're trying to get as many people involved as we can. We know this is – an area that especially a lot of high schoolers really love. So, uh, okay, that's so, what you got. All right, and uh, and and go ahead. And, and the way the tournament itself is going to be run, will it be head to head? Will it be well, walk everybody through how the tournament itself will go? Yeah. So, um, the for the open tournament, uh, the the games we played every Saturday and Sunday, starting on the 18th. So basically, you'll have uh, the the tournament will open at 2 p.m. I believe for PlayStation and 3 p.m. for Xbox for each day and you can reschedule with your opponent. This is all done through a, uh, a uh, third party platform called face it, which uh, if you go to the website, it'll kind of walk you through and sign this up and it can be a little, you know, it's, it's simple on match day, but you can't really see it until it's match day. So it's, uh, you know, you can, you'll be put into a match room once, uh, once each Saturday and Sunday kind of comes up starting on the 18th and uh, you'll play against another blues fan. Uh, we might have some, uh, Special guests playing in the tournament. We, you know, can't release any information yet, but it'll be a very simple process, one v one. And then uh, as you progress, I believe. Uh, well, it depends on how many people we have to sign up, which is about two hundred per uh, per console right now. So numbers are looking good. We're um, the max is five twelve, so we're asking everyone just to kind of get in and sign up now, especially. Uh, with a few more announcements coming through. Gummy, what's the experience level for this? Uh, do people need to be avid gamers, or can it just be somebody who casually plays? It, it, yeah, it's everyone. You know, uh, we can't really judge. You know, I don't know all 200 people who are playing in this tournament, so I can't say. I, I know that uh, I've gotten a text from a lot of friends who are kind of all over the board. So, uh, you know, the best thing to do is kind of just show up. You know, you might not think you're very good at the game, but, you know, everyone plays it's the same game you got to sign up so 
it's uh, just give it a shot, you know, and this will be the first of many tournaments that we have going forward that, you know, we'll try to tailor towards a more fun having or, you know, a, a more competition-based something. So we're just kind of – I, I, I'm sorry. Hey, Gummy, you, you mentioned the reward for the tournament uh, for the individuals. The high school, uh, is there a trophy being uh, given out for the, the winning high school? And, and if so, uh, why don't you just hand it right over to CBC now? <laughs> Uh, well, you see, you see, you guys can't just, you know, hoard all the best high school hockey players anymore. So really the best player could be anywhere. You you know, you can kind of just be from anywhere and be the best gamer, you know? So, so yes, there will be a, a, a gaming cup. Thank you very much for bringing that up. Just like how we do for the youth hockey tournaments, the high school championships for on the ice, we'll have a blues gaming cup and it'll, uh, we're kind of designing that right now. We're not exactly sure what's going to be involved with all of it, but uh, Should be a picture we'll of Joe Vitale. Yeah, maybe it'll just be the yeah the the Joe Vitale esports champ cup twenty twenty. I love you know, it. I'm just yeah. I'm just impressed that John Gaminski came off the top turnbuckle and remind Joe that right now the state title does not reside off of North Outer Forty. <laughs> I don't even so, need to be here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we all watched that game. Yeah. We all watched it. John, th- I know that you and, and some others put in some tremendous amount of work to kind of get this off the ground in conjunction with Maryville University, who uh, really is just a spectacular esports team as well, by the way. So yeah. uh, congratulations on this, and uh, we'll help get the word out. But, again, if people go to stlouisblues.com, the information is on the website. Everything you need to know is up there. And, again, they're going to limit the number of people to, what would you say, 500? 112? Yep, per console. So right. we're, we're at about halfway full right now. So and like I said, there's going to be a couple special maybe announcements here. I can't promise anything, but, you yep. know, I think that, that it'll get people really, really excited to play in, yep. the, in the tournament. And so. One of those announcements that may not be able to be promised is you might end up playing against some, uh, oh, I don't know, an NHL player too, maybe? We'll wait and see what happens yeah. here. Uh, Gummy, thank you very much, buddy. We'll, we'll, we appreciate your efforts. Thank you, sir. Yeah, appreciate it, boys. Miss y'all. All right, that is uh, John Gaminsky. Just does some awesome work in the Blues front office, part of our great digital team there. But, uh, again, the Blues in the eSports gaming uh, side of things now. Log on to stlouisblues.com for all the information on how to sign up. Well, John Gaminsky, before you go, Alex, he will eat those Gardetto's chip bags. Like, like every day, every morning he's eating those. I don't know what a Gardetto chip bag is. Have to look oh, yeah, he does. Like a, he eats potato chips for breakfast. Like, like hey, he's terrible. filming Facebook breakfast, Live and he's got potato chips. Breakfast of champions. He was a part of my softball team, but we came in second place. Brown. It's just a potato. He's a breakfast of champions, guys. Mm. That's going to wrap it up for this week in hockey. Big thank you to Chris Kerber, Joe Vitale, Dan Betlock. We will be back with you tomorrow night. Well, Kerbs will on be behind the bench, the boardwalk hardwood floor here on your home for the Blues 101 ESPN.